Hi, and welcome to Beta's monthly podcast series, How We Listen Live in Conversation. My name is Mark Brown, and I'm the founder of Beta.com, the platform enabling sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way, built for everyone working with music today. Beta's goal is to provide artists and their teams with the tools and the knowledge to help move their careers forward. We believe anyone interested in working in and around the music ecosystem should have access to as many insights into the business of music as possible. The best approach is to try and do as much as you can on your own before you hire anyone or start building your team. How We Listen Live in Conversation is presented in two parts. I present the first part and offer up some of my own experiences in the music industry. Then the second part is an in-depth conversation with someone deep within the music ecosystem. We talk about how they got to where they are and the insights they picked up along the way. Our guest today is Corbin Asprey, Label Relations Manager at YouTube. Maybe you didn't know, but YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. They have curated music playlists, but how can emerging artists maximize their promo power there? If it's not just about smash hits and chart toppers, how do you get noticed? What makes YouTube unique? This episode is filled with tips and tricks when it comes to taking full advantage of what YouTube has to offer to move a music career forward. Here's our conversation. All right, Corbin, where are you? Are you there? Hello. Hi, I'm oh. here. Well, nice one. Thank, thanks for being here. I didn't even, where are you? I, I'm going to guess by your accent that you're probably in London or something, but I, where are you? Um, I'm North England, so like Manchester way. Oh, but normally in London, it's just at this particular time, I am in Northwest England. Do, total curveball question. Can you work from wherever you want? What's Google's policy on? So we're in the office three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, officially, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty um, lax right now, providing, you know, you can do your work and you can meet your partners. Um, that's where we're at right now, hybrid model. Nice, nice. I'm trying to think where we, where we should start. Do you, like, tell us a bit about what your background is. Like what, what did you used to, did you, did I see you started at absolute radio? Is that where your, was that your first job? Um, one of my first jobs I did, I did like a, a month internship there. Yeah. Like a summer internship. Was James there? The, the head of music, the Scottish guy. Cause I used to go there and maybe, maybe you don't remember. It's probably ages ago. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. It was like a decade ago, but it was. Oh a my God. Okay. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, like, so where, how did you get going? There? Explain your sort of journey to where you are now. I, I mean, that was kind of like a stop start, um, like a start stop, I guess, for my entry in the industry. It kind of really started, I was studying entertainment marketing at university, interestingly at University of Northampton, where your last guest, um, Adam, was from. Um, uh-huh. And on and on the side, I was working at the Apple store, just selling iPhones. Um, and then I started working in the visual merchandising side of things um, and then progressed there to start working in the corporate world um, to start booking artists to come to their retail stores. They do this program called Today at Apple. They bring in producers and songwriters and artists and they show how they make their, you know, they make their craft on yeah. wow. Apple products. Did that, but realized I wanted to work more closer to the industry. So uh, we did. A panel talk similar to this, but in real life at the Apple store with a lady called Ray Pope at Universal in recruitment, who was a fantastic woman. 
Um, that and she, sounds strategic that you got someone from recruitment in. Like that. You, I, I wouldn't like to say, I wouldn't like to say, but you've got to create your own opportunities if they're not coming to you, right? Um, so I spoke to her and she essentially said, yeah, great, you know, you're, you're doing this, you know, managerial job at Apple, but to the music industry, you're going to have to start from zero. So um, an internship came for Universal Music to work in their international marketing department. So I left Apple, went to Universal, stayed there for two years. And that role was kind of when an artist is on tour, you would figure out which radio shows they should go to when they're performing in Holland. Um, you would figure out which TV shows they would need to go on when they're in, you know, oh. Australia. Um, and then about four and a half years ago, uh, YouTube approached me because they were launching their streaming service. Um, so I, I took that and I've been there ever since, really. And so you said, it, that's super interesting. Like you said, they came to you. YouTube came to yeah. you. How, how do you, people are going to be like, how do I get that to happen? <laughs> like, how does that work? So that was um, a recruitment agency reached out. Okay. It was initially a temporary role, actually. It was a three-month position. And I thought, even if it doesn't come to anything, I think it's super exciting to be part of a new streaming platform launch. So um, I, I, took the, I took the role, took the risk, um, and, it, and it paid off. So, like, before we talk about this, because it's interesting that you mentioned the word new streaming platform. Like, let's, what is your job so everybody understands sort of what perspective you have and what your responsibilities are? So my title is Label Relations Manager. Um, so I work with some of the major labels, but a lot of the indie labels as well, Believe, AWOL, the BPI, AIM. Um, and my role is to educate um, all of those parties on what the latest product launches are at YouTube, the best practices, the marketing programs that are available, um, but also work with them to figure out what their priority releases are and then I take that information and I work internally to figure out how we can support both emerging artists and established artists, whether that's social support or billboards or playlisting or funding or live streams um, or events um, just to, you know, either nurture the, the next generation of talent or to um, do something kind of only YouTube can do with um, superstar artists. Yeah. And then, and then did you say also, you do you do other talks and stuff were you up did you just do something the last couple of weeks like yeah so i just did smaller groups or artists or yeah that's a really good point so i i make a point and so does the company to one one of our big focuses to get outside of the london bubble it feels like people are at an unfair advantage if they're living in london um so we we do a lot of great things with um, we have a partnership with the Northern Irish Music Prize, for example, um, with the, um, I think this, uh, the Scottish Awards. Um, and I was just at Liverpool Sound City as well. We, like I was saying, one, to get outside the, uh, in, um, outside the London bubble is really important. But two, to make sure that, that we level the playing field in terms of information. You know, we, want it, we don't want it to be informational dissymmetry. Um, the, the, the major labels get that information firsthand from us a lot of the time. Um, and... We, we make a conscious effort to join things like Sound City and talks like this. And I'd probably say I do one of these at least once a month um, just to make sure that everybody knows the latest and greatest on YouTube. YouTube's been going for 17 years now, started in 2005, and it's continually it iterating and developing products, um, particularly with a focus on um, the music community. Um, so just making sure everybody knows the latest and greatest, the best practices and, and how they can make the most of the platform. 17 years is a long time and when mm -hmm. i like think back 
it was just a place for videos. You you mentioned this streaming service and it's like, that's just an interesting like choice of words. And it's like, so before we get into sort of where we are now, like, like give me the evolution, say mm -hmm. up to when you started, let's do it that way. So YouTube started as this and then mm -hmm. things sort of changed. What's the potted history so people can get a better vibe overview? Um, so like I said, started in 2005, it was very much a place where people would just drop their music videos or just videos in general. The first video was a, a guy at the zoo and it was like 17 seconds, um, which kind of ties in nicely to what we're doing now, um, which is all about short form content because our first video was technically a short form um, piece of content. But yeah, it was, it was a place where it, it kind of felt like to the music industry, it was an afterthought. You would plan your strategy around when you would go to radio and when you would release your single and when it would peak at radio and then when the remix would drop and the music video tended to just be we'll just upload it to youtube when it's ready in reality you get a 40 on average a 40 percent increase in audio streams across all dsps when your music video is dropped so you should be really strategic about when you're dropping that music video um which is an aside um what I'm trying I need to say a note that, about yes. that because I love uh, we talk about timelines all the time. So that kind of info, I love it. I've already made a note, so we'll come back to it. Perfect. Um, um it, the great thing about YouTube is that it doesn't rest on its laurels. It it continually makes new products. So about three, four years ago, um, well, about four years ago, they made something called the Official Artist Channel. So historically, you might remember you had the the channel that the artist would use as you know, before they got signed and they had their covers and it would have their acoustics. And then they'd have their Vivo channel where their official videos would then come through. And then YouTube would create this thing called a topic channel, which would merge all their remixes and the, the live performances and the, the features that, on, that artists features on other artists' videos. And so nobody really knew where to go and which one to subscribe to, to get the right sort of information. So we created this thing called the official artist channel, which amalgamates all those three into one. And then the artist can control um, how that looks, um, as opposed to where the Vivo, you know, Vivo manages it and Topic Channel YouTube kind of system creates it. So you can decide how your channel looks, all of that content's in one home, um, and it just makes it more streamlined for both the artist and the user. So that was one development that's great. And the other one was a thing called Premieres, and that kind of harks back to when you know, in the 80s, when Michael Jackson would drop a music video, it was a real moment, like you would gather around the TV and that would be, you know, that would be your entertainment for the day. And YouTube didn't really have that. Uh, an artist would upload the video and all the promotion would have to be post-release. The video would go live and then you'd send it to um, press or you'd share it on socials. And actually that was really detrimental to the algorithm because those first 24 hour views are super important to signify how engaging that content is. So we created a thing called YouTube Premieres where you can pre-upload the video to YouTube, it has a watch page, which then you can promote ahead of time and it's scheduled to go live at a certain time. So you can say 5 p.m. on Friday, my video is going live, set that reminder button, which means that the, those first 24 hour views are so much more um, positive than if you'd have had to do that ret retrospectively. So those are just two examples of um, tools that they've been creating to um, cater to the music community. And then they've developed on things like premieres based on feedback from the industry. So you can now add a trailer to a premiere. So you have a little idea about what's coming. You can do a custom countdown. So rather than just a regular kind of standard countdown, you can have it look like your aesthetic for your campaign. 
you can do a thing called live redirect where you do a live stream before you go into the, the video premiere. So all of these things are continually iterating. And now I'm excited that we're looking at YouTube shorts and how the short form um, video plays into the artist ecosystem. So, so like before we get into all the, all the details, like what is YouTube? But like, I only just realized like two weeks ago, oh yeah, like there's a music app. So is that the streaming platform you're talking about? Like how did you, you know, because we've got like, it's easy to know what Spotify is, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe uh, like an Apple music, but tell mm-hmm. me how do, do you all view yourselves like YouTube as a streaming? Like, how does it work? Yeah, I mean, you made a good point before about YouTube was just a, a, a video platform. And now we do have a streaming service. It's called YouTube Music. It's similar to other DSPs on the market. There, there are algorithmic playlists. There are um, our flagship playlists. Um, and that's that's a way for us to kind of work with the industry and make sure that the right tracks at the right time are showing up. Where, where YouTube.com is pretty much all algorithmic. Um, YouTube music is, is, is a playlist ecosystem. So it's, it, it, it takes you out of the, the kind of echo chamber that you might get into on youtube.com and gives you more of a, um, a genre um, or theme specific um, playlist experience. It's, it's, it's primarily audio, um, it is video as well, um, but 80% of the uh, consumption that happens is audio first um, and background listening. Um, whereas on .com it's primarily 80% in the foreground and video. So we've got, we call it the twin, um, kind of the twin engines of growth, right? You've got one, you've got .com for video um, foreground, and then you've got YouTube music, which is um, audio um, and background listening. Yeah. And they talk to each other. So you, if you subscribe on to an artist on YouTube music, um, you're also subscribing on .com. If you're looking like you like a certain genre on YouTube.com, we'll start serving that to you on YouTube music. So um it, it's a it's a great complimentary service um, and you get it free if you're already paying for um, YouTube premium you get YouTube music as part of that as well we'll be right back after this break Beta is the platform that enables sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean simple and secure way built for everyone working with music today. What sets Beta apart is that it is unrivaled in taking advantage of audio files' unique properties. What does that mean exactly? Beta reads and writes file metadata, plus it converts audio file formats and delivers fast, secure, and great sounding streaming. Create, promote, and discover with Beta, made for music. One of the things that when we were talking a little earlier that I thought was super interesting was this idea that, that like you use the word gatekeepers to describe other Mm. DSPs. And I think that aside from all this stuff we've just talked about, I think that's one of the most interesting things you said, like this idea. Well, you explain it, what you meant by that. I think gatekeepers may be a slightly harsh term but you know if you look at radio if you look at streaming services you're looking at the playlist editors and the and the radio um the radio commissioners to make a decision on whether your track gets featured in those playlists that can make it a, a, a tangible difference to you your artist career youtube is the place where you are kind of the master of your own destiny it is the second biggest website in the world after google 
um, the most viewed um, website in the world after Google, which also is owned by a parent company. So it's we have two billion um, logged in viewers every every month. Um, so a huge um, a huge audience potential there. And it's as I was saying before, there are so many people there that you can then target and you can you can use all of these tools that I was speaking about before to create your own destiny and and create change. And there's, cer- there's certain things by using premieres um, and by doing these live redirects, it's a great way to um, build your audience. And I think YouTube's the only place where you can show the full artist story, right? Like we talk a lot about breaking a song versus breaking an artist. And it's very easy to break a song, but you might not necessarily know the artist if you met them in the street. Um, and YouTube is the place where you can show that full artist picture. Interestingly, we talk a lot about music videos and we think music videos are the, are the holy grail on YouTube. In reality, the other pieces of content, so like BTS, um, tour diaries, um, live performances, those tend to generate three times more subscribers than official music videos. I think the reason for that is is around being more authentic. I think particularly Gen Z want to see more authenticity from their artists. Um, and you get that from that content versus a polished music video where you don't really know who that artist is after after kind of all the filters and the and the and the lenses on them. So um, I think if I, if I was to give you a, an action item, it would be to start using um, start thinking about shoulder content when it's released um, and how that plays into your official music video as well. So can you be doing teaser pieces of content and show, we we call it shoulder content. It's it's some very nondescript word, but it basically means anything that's not the official music video. Um, and then drop the music video when you think the time's right to give you that lift on all streaming services. So like, okay, so to, so to summarize this part, basically YouTube starts as a place for videos. Now it's, it's like the starting point, but basically much, a much smaller part of what is possible and what you need to do to succeed on YouTube. Is that a fair uh, assumption that it's sort of the reverse now? What was super important is much less important. I think that's a fair statement. Someone in the comments was saying that YouTube's a place to build a community. I think that's a really good way to say it. Our big boss um, said the other day that um, other platforms are, the, are kind of the appetizer to an artist and YouTube is where you come for the main course. And I think that's a really nice way to say yeah. it. The way I work is I use, I watch all the videos. This is terrible. But like if someone mentions an artist to me, I don't go to a streaming platform. I go to, I mm-hmm. go to you, YouTube to see who they are. So exactly. is it more that people listen to songs and then come to YouTube to go deeper, do you think? That's exactly it. You get a taste for the artist through listening to one song on a playlist or seeing a 15 second uh, video clip on a short form app. But then you come to YouTube to say, okay, who is this artist? And I think YouTube is the place where you turn passive fans into active and um, passive viewers into active fans. So yeah. you, we have tools on YouTube, like um, we have a merch bar underneath the, the videos now. So you can buy merchandise, you can buy tickets underneath uh, videos now. Um, and I think that's the place where you come to figure out who this artist is. Am I invested? Am I going to go to the show? Am I going to buy the album? Am I going to buy the vinyl? Um, because you get you get that full artist picture on our platform. Okay, so w- with this in mind then, so we've got like, I'm just sort of summarizing as we go, like the videos are not as important as they used to be because there's just so much other potential. But 
this idea of timelines, if okay. people at the start used to be like, oh, YouTube's an afterthought, you just throw the video up. Okay. Timelines come up all the time that you're working three months, okay. months up front. Like, how would you layer YouTube into that timeline? Can, do you have a, not in, we don't need to do it in super detail, but it's just so that people can think, oh, when I'm doing this other thing, I should be doing this on YouTube as well. Ideally, you'd want to drop the music video at the same time as the song drops. Yeah. Because that will give you the, the best first 24-hour views, and then that will send positive signals to the algorithm, which will then put you in, you know, will we'll get you recommended more. On the platform, about 80% of views come from um, recommendations, whether that's on the homepage or whether that's in the up next section when you're watching a video. So it's less important to get, you know, um, to spend on social, or it's less important to get a, uh, an, a premiere on a, 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 like a fader or something like that. It's the most important thing you can do is, is, is lean into the algorithm and, and give it signals that you're doing well. And the way to do that is to drop the video at the same time as a song so that people come to your channel um, as soon as possible. Following that, it's all about, um, we kind of talk about like tempo moments. So you'll you'll have the music video, which will be the big peak, but then you, you don't want it to then just drop off. You want to keep um, warming up that algorithm, keep, keep feeding it content. And whether that's a lyric video, whether that's a tour diary, whether that's a BTS, um, all of that stuff is then going to um, push back to, I mean, the, the hero piece of content is the music video, right? Yeah. People are going to watch that that other other pieces of content and then go back to the music video. And the way you can do that is with things like descriptions and, and putting links in the descriptions, putting end cards at the end of your other pieces of content to make sure that all these smaller moments that people are coming to will then go back to the official music video. Yeah. So a BTS in this context is not the band, it is what? Yeah, uh, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Okay, so there we just had, we, that was a question. Technically, BTS is a group, but in this yes. case, it's also short for behind the scenes. So basically, you, you want to treat YouTube like any other platform. It's equally as important. It can work with all the other ones. So like when you talk about timelines, you talk about making other content and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. this is a good opportunity for us to talk about all the things that you mentioned like the whatever shoulder content because mm -hmm. this is the stuff i just totally don't know so you've got mm -hmm. this video what else do you need to push that video or upcoming other tracks over say a two three month period what kind of assets do you need because mm -hmm. i guess that you can also explain all the other opportunities definitely um i think a lot of the time you are creating a lot of assets for socials and then don't think to put them on YouTube as well. And it's like, well, why not? Um, you can, the great thing about the, again, another product development is you can create shelves on YouTube so that you can separate by kind of era. Um, you know, one can be a, a shelf about your tour diary. So you've got this organized shelf about tour diaries and then you've got a separate shelf about um, lyric videos. And so you can make it all really nice and really organized. If you've also got a, you know, a hobby, you know, if you like cooking or, um, if you, I don't know, I can't even think of a single other hobby, but you can have that all on your YouTube channel. Gardening, gardening, gardening. Garden. There you go. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, like Charlie Dimmock. Um, you can put that on your channel and show another side to you and it still, you can separate it from your artistry, um, but still show who you are. 
Um, so yeah, if you're creating stuff for socials, put it on YouTube. Um, there's truly no reason not to. If you've got an official artist channel, you have a thing called a community tab as well. And on that, you can do polls, you can do, you can put static images. Um, and again, it's just another way, like I was saying before, music videos are expensive, right? So you're probably going to be able, only be able to make one every couple of months. So for those other like 10 weeks in the, in the campaign, you put nothing on YouTube. So using things like the community tab to put polls up or to do a um, put up pictures of the artwork or to do all this behind the scenes um, is just ways to kind of keep your channel top of mind for um, for subscribers and give them a reason to subscribe because you're, you're regularly putting stuff on there. Um, the other thing to mention is YouTube Shorts, which is our huge company focus. It's our short form video offering. Um, if you go to YouTube on your mobile, you'll see it. It's like the second tab. Um, and that's all shot on mobile um, between up to 60 seconds. Um, we have seen, particularly in Gen Z, that short form content is a huge driver of audio consumption. Um, and the, the USP that we have at YouTube is that on other platforms, it's kind of a huge ask to ask someone to listen to a song, like it so much that then they have to leave that viewing experience then kind of remember the lyrics and go to Google, type in those lyrics, find out what the song is and then go to their streaming platform. Or they have to then get another friend to shazam what the song is and then they have to leave anyway and then go to the streaming platform. What, short, what Shorts has is within two taps of watching that video and liking that song, um, in two taps, you're then watching the official music video or you're listening to the audio on YouTube music. So it's that kind of end-to-end -end service that we're hoping will be completely game-changing for the industry. If you've got high activity on your channel, does that affect the recommendation, the algorithm? Yeah. So for uploading on YouTube.com, I would recommend posting. Don't post on the same day because then the algorithm has to favor one. Um, ideally, space them at least two days apart. But the more the more content you're giving to the platform, the more they're going to be able to. The algorithm is going to be able to kind of trial what works and what doesn't. If if you've got more balls to throw at the net, you're going to have more hits, right? That's kind of how it works. If you've just got one and you throw it and the algorithm doesn't pick it up, then okay, game over. But if you've got 10, you've got 10 more shots and that the, the, the algorithm will start understanding who your audience is and, and start tailoring which videos get showed to who, and then you'll start growing your fan base from that. Just before we talk about some other stuff, there were, there were some questions here. So, I am understanding correctly that YouTube Music has editorial playlists. How many people is that? So, do you are they all algorithmic or are there human? Both. Playlists? We call it algorithmic. So there's there's some that are um, purely algorithmic. Um, you know, particularly ones we have like my mix that are all about based on what you've listened to um, historically. Yeah. Um, and then there are some that um, we we have a team who. Um, choose the tracks that go into the playlist but the order of the tracks is algorithmic so mark you and i might listen to go to the same playlist but um exercise is at the top for me whereas why is at the top for you so abby's saying what opportunities does youtube give to independent artists and independent record labels publishing companies you don't favor one company over another do you uh no we certainly don't um i would say if anything we we make a conscious effort to super serve the indie community to make sure that they have the tools to succeed. I think last year more, we paid more to the indie community than we did to record to major record labels in terms of like programs and, off and offerings, which I think you're alluding to. Um, we have programs like foundry, the foundry fund, which um, 
with, I think the application's just closed um, and that's um, a handful of artists. I think last year was 16 that we give financial support to, we give billboards, we give PR, we give priority um, internal opportunities. And I think the good thing about YouTube is that because we're linked to Google, we've got opportunities within Pixel and Maps and Assistant and things like that. Um, so programs like Foundry are specifically for um, unsigned artists. And then we work with companies like um, the MMF, the Music Managers Forum, and we have, um, uh, uh, it's called an ex the Accelerator Program, um, where we we fund, um, we fund um, a, a select number of um, independent managers um, for on a 12, I think it's a 12 month program. Um, but outside of um, outside of the financials, we also give education as well. So there's it's almost like a, a, a school, um, and, and we tell, tell tell them about kind of well, we don't, but we we bring people in to tell them about every element of the music industry from live to payments, um, you know, PRS and um, uh, you know, streaming and um, royalties and rights and revenue and things like that, um, so that they um, have the ability to become um, better managers. And then we have programs like Power Up, which is particularly um, particularly focused on um, the black community. Um, so yeah, we we do a lot, um, both on the artist side and the on the manager side. Thanks, and that was an extremely good question because I thought the answer was simple. Oh, we do everything for everybody, but there's actually tons of artist focused programs. So it was really good to go through all those. Mm -hmm. um, then Mike Greater X in Halifax, he's had he's asked Mike works at a label. Uh, we have different distributors in different territories. Can an artist get an OAC without going via one distributor? First off, what's an OAC? Mm -hmm. uh, official artist channel. So that was a thing I was talking about before. Where so it doesn't oh, automatically yeah. happen. You will you will have your topic and you will have the channel that you own. Um, you need to you need to kind of manually request it. Um, but what was the question specifically? The, the question was, can you get an OAC without going via one distributor? No, you need to go through the distributor. Oh, here we go. Will artists be able to edit the back end of the Vivo music video on YT without the distributor? Hmm. Oh. Do you understand that question? I don't. <laughs> I, uh, well, it depends if you mean like edit the actual video after yeah. you've uploaded it, or if you mean like adding metadata and titles and descriptions. Because, so the, what's the answer to that? You can't edit the video, but you can edit the metadata. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, once the video is uploaded, it's uploaded. And if you're not happy, then you you have to re-upload it. But you can add, you know, titles, descriptions, end cards, thumbnails. So Consuela, having to get a thousand subscribers broadcast from a mobile is a right pain. It's not easy for non-established artists to get that many subscribers without a push from PR management label. That's not a question. That's more of a frustration, it seems. Mm -hmm. But that it is, is it a thousand? I thought it was only a hundred. Uh, to go into the uh, YouTube partner program, which is when oh. um, you get revenue from ads, it's a thousand subscribers and is it 300 watch time hours? Yeah, those are the two criteria. I, I don't know what to say back to that. Question, Consuelo. How an independent non-performing songwriter can get more subscribers to show music to appeal to labels, to get sync deals or establish artists to cover songwriter songs. Like that's an interesting question. So, so how does an artist generate like more, mu encourage more music discovery mm -hmm. on YouTube, say versus other platforms? Is there anything different about it or is it the same theory? That. I think there's I think there's two ways to look at it. One, we talk about like leaning into trends. 
So see what's popular on the platform. Don't just stay in the music lane. If you're able to, um, if you're able to partner with, you know, a, a gaming creator, or if you're able to, I don't know, like when ASMR was a thing, like do that, like see, go into trending and see what's trending and, and get your channel to do that. If, if it's appropriate, you know, and it, and it, and the artist is comfortable doing it because, you know, music only makes up a, a percentage of watch time on the platform, you know, gaming and sports and fashion and all these other verticals make up, um, a lot of watch time so if there's a way for your channel to play in those spheres you should definitely do that um then the other other way is youtube shorts it will tell you what tracks are trending actually go to youtube.com trending find out what songs are trending right now um for your market you can change it by global you can change it by market um and and do covers of those um or you in youtube shorts like if you don't want to do a whole three four minute cover then just do like a i was I don't know why I was up till 2 a.m. yesterday watching this YouTuber doing covers on YouTube shorts, but he hooks me with like just the just the 30 second 30 second clip. And then I ended up describing to him. So huh. okay, that's a like that's very good. Cause I, I think that's someone something everybody struggles with. It's like they're starting out and they don't know how to build context. They don't know which mm -hmm. way to go. And I think that mm -hmm. some of those ideas are really, really good. I was just going to say to close the loop on this, I saw Saskia say about tagging your videos as well. So yeah, you you, you can do hashtags, um, make your metadata accurate. So um, put the lyrics in the description, put links to all your other social media platforms, Click the, have a link to subscribe to the channel. At the end of the video, make sure that you have um, a subscribe button, make sure that you have a playlist at the end so people can watch more of your content. At the end of the day, the algorithm is going to kick in. It's going to send the viewer somewhere else after watching your video. So make them stay on your channel by either subscribing or going into a playlist or going into your most recent music video and title them correctly as well. So, oh, and, and thumbnails as well. One, choose the right thumbnail and two, don't choose a clickbait thumbnail because if you choose a clickbait one, you'll get some great views initially, but people will bounce out after the first five seconds because you've sold them a lie. And then the algorithm will deprioritize um, that video on that channel because it's not content that people are staying to engage with. Um, and then the other thing is descriptions. Make sure the descriptions are accurate. So I see so many channels who have an official music video and they don't even say official music video at the end. How am I supposed to know as a viewer that this is the premium piece of content? Um, and then a label will come to me and be like, why does the lyric video have more views than the official music video? And, and I'm like, well, they both say the exact same thing. How is anyone supposed to know which one was the one that we're supposed to do? Such a simple thing that everybody forgets to do. Hey, sorry to interrupt. Jen from Beta here. I wanted to let you know that each of these podcasts features a different guest. Each conversation offers up another perspective from within the music ecosystem. Like Mark's talk with Amber Horsburgh music marketing consultant, digital strategist, and founder of the School of Deep Cuts and the Deep Cuts newsletter. It's a masterclass in music strategy and marketing. Go listen to that episode, you will learn a great deal. Can we just talk a bit about like this idea, like why you're doing this? Like, because this is sort of this SEO search engine optimization thing, right? That you, as an artist or a label or as a manager need to help YouTube understand what it exactly. is that you're giving them. Right. And, and I think like, because like, like titles and stuff, like explain what makes a good title, for example, like, you, you know, I'm assuming, I'm assuming all these affects your chances of getting more views. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, for a music video, it's pretty simple. Artist name, comma or colon, um, track title, then brackets, whatever it is, official music video, lyric video, acoustic performance. If it's episodic, make sure that you put the episode in it so people know um, where they're tuning in um, and make sure, and then put it into a playlist as well so that it flows into, um, you know, flows in chronological order. Um, we've already talked about descriptions. We've already talked about metadata and tagging. So I don't think there's too much to say on that. Otherwise, um, like trial different thumbnails, right? So try one. If, it, if you don't get as much views as the last one, try a different one. YouTube will automatically give you three options and pre predefined ones, but you can also create your own ones as well. Um, Corbin, do you have anything else that was on your list of stuff you wanted to talk? Because we did the best practices. We talked about all the different things on the platform. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think if I could leave anybody with action items, it would be one, oh, yes. try try YouTube Shorts. Um, one, try it as a consumer. You'll see it on the mobile app, like I said. Um, try creating YouTube Shorts. The, the great, like the product is, is good now. It's gonna get even better later on in the year. Um, I was saying at the talk, and I've been noticed the other day, how I, I uploaded a YouTube short the other day. I'm not even a creator, and it got like 1,500 views. And it, it the, the algorithm is just really excited about this short-form content. And because there's not a huge amount of people making shorts at this moment versus other platforms, that there's less fish in the pond to fight with. So it's it's an exciting time to give it a try and, and get used to it and get ahead of the curve before everybody else jumps on. So try YouTube shorts from, from a user standpoint and a creator standpoint. Download the YouTube Studio app. Um, a lot of people have other DSP um, analytics tools, but don't look at YouTube, and that will influence what, what time you do your premiere. So you you might actually find out that your a lot of your audience is in the US. So you don't really want to be premiering your video at nine AM because that's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna have negative kind of um, implications. Um, so find out where your audience is um, using YouTube Studio. Um, you can also, you know, plan tours, find out where, you know, which cities yeah, people are in the most. Can you explain the studio, the studio app for people? Because I haven't heard of it. So, so give me an overview yeah. of what what it does. Um, I wonder if I've got it here. I mean, you can't really see it, but um, no. yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I can't. Um, well, sorry. Yeah, you definitely can't hear it if we're on audio. <laughs> no, well, exactly. Um, yeah. So it will, he held it, he it, held up a phone. He held up a oh, phone, and it was right, shiny. Of course. I'm, I'm yeah. narrating for the podcast <laughs> audience, yeah. So it essentially shows at a channel level and then at a video level um, how you're doing, you know, how many views you're getting, where those views are coming from, um, the traffic source, the location, the demographic, the gender, um, and how, how it performs versus other releases as well. So it'll say, you know, you are X percent higher versus your last release. Um, this is where your views are coming from. If as I was saying, about 80% of views usually come from recommended. If you're getting um, less views from recommended, that's actually a good sign. That means that people are actively looking for your content. So if your your um, traffic source is more like 75%, 70%, that means that people are, if you look at viewers as casual, um, as passive versus active, a passive, a passive viewer is someone who has been serve, served your video as a recommendation and, and they've just, you know, stay to watch it or they've just listened to a track in the playlist an active one is one who search for your track or search for you as an artist um so if it's lower than 70 80 percent that means that people are actively looking for you as an artist which is great um so yeah youtube studio take a look um 
it's actually pretty pretty easy to use on a basic level. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. And then, if if you have interesting content that is not pure music, does that help? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's completely right. Because you're you're getting into different spheres where your music wouldn't necessarily go to. Um, and then, yeah, I, if if I think, and that's a really good, you know, I was saying about cooking and gardening. One topics that are kind of music, more music adjacent than completely unrelated, are, are going to be um, going to be in different bubbles, but the spheres are going to be closer to you as an artist. So I would. 100% recommend that in, in terms of kind of increasing the ripple effect of um, the algorithm's reach. I think that's all I've got. That was super interesting mm -hmm. because I, like, I didn't know about the studio thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about, I didn't know what an OAC was, a BTS. Like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know there was that much, so much to do. And I, I honestly thought videos were still super important. Like I'm totally, I'm in the dark. Like I totally well, didn't. now you're in the light. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I really appreciate it. Like, thanks so much. I really, it was brilliant. I, and I, as I said, I pay for YouTube. I love it. I think it's brilliant. So it was fun to learn a lot more. Thanks everybody for coming. It was great to see you. Um, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Nice to see you all. <laughs> see you later. Hey, it's Mark again. Thanks for listening. I want to thank our special guest, Corbin Asprey, for chatting with me. Plus, thanks to Jamie Ford from BIPA, who makes sure every conversation goes off without a hitch, as well as Colin McKenzie, our podcast producer and editor. Music is by Finn Productions and Oliver Liu. The How We Listen Live In Conversation podcasts are brought to you by BIPA.com. BIPA enables the sending and receiving of digital audio in a clean, simple, and secure way built for everyone working with music today. Each month, I speak with someone new who works in and around the music ecosystem. The live online series takes place on the last Tuesday of every month, is free to sign up and attend. Come and get in on the conversation. Go to beta.com for more information. Thanks for listening and get in touch with any questions. <laughs>